Welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast with me, Toby Webb. I'm delighted that joining me in today's podcast is Dominique Tornex from Diam. Uh, so welcome, Dominique. How are you today? Hello, everybody. I'm very fine. Thank you. Good. So you're the CEO of, of Diam, and many of our listeners will know about Diam's work, but equally many may not, although I'm sure many of them have used your product. So tell us, uh, Dominique, what is it that Diam does and what is it that makes you different from a normal cork closure company? Well, Diam is a company manufacturing and marketing technical cork closure, which means that the cork are made of cork, and they are technical because we're using specific technologies to, uh, let's say, fix some recurrent issue that you can find in traditional cork. The first one is the level of cleanliness. Uh, our solutions are very clean and owing to a specific process that we co-developed with a research center in France and that we patented in 2003, we were able to issue and release on the market the first cork solution, which was guaranteed taint-free. And one of the major taint issue comes from a molecule called trichloroanisole, which gives you what the famous uh, cork taint. And um, this process that we were able to, to manufacture and to erect is really able to eliminate totally the presence of these potential molecules in the cork that can be released in the wine when it, the cork is uh, bottling the, the bottle. The second advantage was uh, the fact that uh, we are actually cleaning cork granule because we are reshaping the cork after the cleaning in order to have a very consistent solution. Traditional punched cork are usually very inconsistent. You can have in a very specific lot a very large variety of oxygen transfer. With Diam solutions, because we are uh, reshaping recipes, we can offer the winemaker a very consistent lot, meaning that we have a very specific OTR oxygen transfer ratio, which allow the winemaker to really master and decide uh, the way the wine will uh, age inside the bottle. And this was a very key advanced step. I would say it's probably the most revolutionary advance because it offers the winemaker a winemaking solution to have the best squad of its wine in the bottle. So you've, um, you've raised, raised the bar for cork manufacturers, but your cork is in a different way from how people might imagine, isn't it? Uh, just tell us how your corks are assembled and then let's talk a bit about where you source them from. Okay, so the first of all, we start from a piece of cork bark, same, very similar and same as the one which is used to produce a traditional punch cork. And instead of punching the piece of cork, we will grind it into granules. We will eliminate the woody part, which is in the cork, the potential pieces of sand, stones, and sometimes insects, that are living inside the cork bark will be eliminated. Then we will clean the cork with uh, CO2. The CO2 will be pressurized to a supercritical phase 
offering properties of a, of a, a cleaning uh, agent like water and also the property of a gas penetrating inside the structure. So the, the gas will penetrate inside the cork structure, the cork submarine, take out molecules that we don't want to keep inside that because they, are, they could potentially migrate in the wine and pr um, produce a sensory deviation that we don't want to have or any other off flavors. And then we use the core granule. We are mixing the core granule with uh, a specific polymer, a binding agent, and we are reshaping the cork. And we can do different recipes, different densities, and we offer a very large range of closure solutions, depending on uh, the, the, the necessity of the, the winemaker, uh, according to OTR levels, meaning whether you want a very aerated solution or a very closed one, and also depending on the, how long you will keep the cork inside the bottle. So this is really related to the aging. And so we have different mechanical properties for cork, which will be bottling a, a bottle for a very short period, respect to one that can be bottled for more than 30 years, for example. Regarding cork, cork is sourced from the West Mediterranean area of Europe. So uh, obviously this, the Iberic Peninsula, I would say then, Portugal and Spain, which represent roughly 60% of our supply. And we are also sourcing from North Africa, Morocco, Algeria, a little bit in Tunisia. And in addition to those countries, we have to mention Italy, mostly Sardinia and Sicily. And we have to mention France with Corsica and the Provence area next to Saint-Tropez, where you have Cork forests, which were one of the, mold, the, the most antique forest where you, you were able to find cork trees for millineries. And this is actually where cork trees are coming from. And we uh, are as a company which is uh, located not only in Portugal and Spain, but also in France. We are trying to push these alternative sourcing in all these countries where cork production in the cork harvesting in the very last decades actually declined. And so we are, our volunteer is to really reactivate those harvesting in the future. So why does cork matter for climate change, for example, or sustainability? Well, uh, cork, you know, it's uh, a huge forest and they are a very impressive carbon sink uh, they are located in areas where uh, the, the stress of global warming is pretty important. I mean, the, the Mediterranean area is one of the areas where climate change appears to be um, very, very sensitive because we, we were already in an area where the, the weather is pretty warm, the access to water is pretty low, so we are in very stressing areas. And the fact that we have those forests, help, it helps for different things. First, to fix uh, CO2, obviously, but also to keep and preserve the biodiversity of these areas. And this is also a key point. Well, I read somewhere recently that a cork tree 
stripped of its bark, can, can and does absorb up to five times more CO2 in its regrowth of that bark than it would if it wasn't harvested. Now, that sounds remarkable. And given that you're sourcing 35,000 tonnes of cork a year, that must mean your company's probably quite close to being carbon positive, I would imagine, if we look at it from that point of view. Yes, uh, we can say it's that way. We are probably, it's true that when we are harvesting a piece of bark, uh, it's, the harvest happens every 10 years, then the cork tree will, have, will grow again and reconstitute that bark. And in this, in this way, we can say that we are fixing CO2. Um, CO2 cork are a good sink. It's not the highest one, actually. You know, you, we have to know that if you go uh, to uh, the trees that are, for example, dedicated to produce barrels, the, the carbon sink is much higher because you, we are located in forests which are further north in Europe and where the activity of the forests are higher. But again, a cork tree plays a very key role in those areas of the Iberic Peninsula, Peninsula, but also North Africa, because you don't have very much other uh, varieties of trees which can survive in such difficult climates. So this is why it's really key to maintain those forests and make sure that this activity will continue, I would say. So obviously, when you do a, a carbon footprint of a closure uh, using cork, it's always negative. Now, my position as a manufacturer is always to say, well, we can thank nature and thank God that we have those trees to have a negative carbon footprint, but the responsibility of the company is nevertheless to make sure that its manufacturing process is efficient and doesn't uh, overconsume energy, doesn't uh, produce scraps, etc. So it's, uh, it's very important that the carbon sink, the capture of the biogenic CO2 is not hiding the key point that uh, is the responsibility of the manufacturer to make sure that he is working properly. Thank you. Before we talk about the conference that you spoke at recently and your conclusions from that, a question about customers. Uh, how, how much are your customers asking you about these sorts of issues? Are they aware or do they just want your closures because of the technical capacity of them? Just curious to get a sense of, you know, how the conversation is changing. Well, in the first step, obviously, it was the efficiency and the quality. Sometimes somebody asking me, what, what is the success of DIAM? And I say, well, the success is the product. The fact that the product is really working well and, and the, the winemaker has fixed one of these uh, major nightmare, which was a potential claim that he could receive from clients because of cork taint. And we must remember that a claim managing a cork a product recall because of a cork taint is just a nightmare because it's a lot of energy, a lot of explanation, uh, a lot of discussions, you have, you have to, to bring back the, 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 the bottle, you have to send back other bottles, maybe you, you may have to do an additional gift to the client to sorry about the situation. So globally, it's something which has a very negative impact, not only in terms of marketing, but also in terms of footprint, because you have to resend 
material. So it's just a nightmare. So the very first point was that one. Now we also, um, I would also say that um, in the very recent years, uh, because we are using polymers, I mentioned the fact that we are using polymers, and the very first polymers were uh, produced from the oil, coming from the oil industry. We uh, decided to to find new sources, and we wanted to have something which was sustainable, which could last even after. I would say the oil area, so it's very ambition, you might say. But you know, cork is existing since at three, at least for 300 to 400 years now it's been that used in, in, in the wine industry. So we, I hope obviously that it will be the same case for the next three or 400 years or even more. So we, uh, we all know that oil is a source of material that will decrease uh, in the time and the prices will be probably more and more difficult in terms of accessibility, in terms of price will be more and more high. So we wanted to find uh, new sources. And this is why we went to um, the alternative sources coming from the vegetable origin. And we uh, so tested different oils coming from the, 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 the biosourced oil. And we found that with castor oil, we, we were able to produce a polymer. So uh, this is the way origin by Diam uh, was born. And this solution is clearly interesting the winemakers who are very sensitive to about environmental and footprint issues. Thank you. So turning to the conference, uh, you were a generous sponsor of the conference. Thank you for your support. Um, we had about 1,100 registrations. We think about 700 people took part over two days, which kind of blew us away, really. We thought, we thought we'd do well if we had 100, 150 people show up. Um, and uh, we really had an enormous audience of, of people fascinated by topics. And one of the key topics, of course, was sustainable packaging, uh, which was a, a session that you you sat on. And I wondered what your takeaways are. You know, what was what was you, first of all? I suppose let's ask you what what were your key points that you were making in that session, and then what are your kind of takeaways and conclusions from the conference? Well, first of all, it's clearly a, a question that is more and more into debate because, uh, you know, sust sustainable packaging, but sustainability in general is something which is very key. Uh, we, uh, this is not new. We know that uh, people are more and more worrying about uh, the environmental impact of the humankind activity. And obviously packaging is one of those, and it's a very important one. It was interesting because we, we also remembered in that, uh, seminar, the importance of what we are looking from a packaging. Uh, you know, we, 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 packaging is a very key point because it's something which will preserve the food that it is packing. And in our case, it is the wine. So it's very important. And there were interesting debates about uh, how to make sure that uh, we will have a packaging able to preserve the quality of the wine being meanwhile also very respecting and uh, uh, sustainable and these are the key points so more and more we um, we see that for every technologies the uh, environmental issue is taken into consideration and this i think this is a, a direction which will not revert it is something that in the future 
will be more and more important. I also remember we there was a question about the collection, though the what do we do after the utilization of the packaging is finished, hence. And, and this is also a key point because the I mentioned in my in my uh, intervention that uh, uh, collecting cork closure can be very expensive if we want to establish a very organized um, supply chain, I would say. And, and when we do, when we were doing the first carbon footprint impact of such a collection, we were impressed by the level of impact. And this is why I was putting the idea that we should uh, try to uh, collaborate with the glass collection, which is already well established. And it would make sense that all the packaging, we, we look at, for example, the label, the label stays on bottle when we are giving back the bottle. So we could also give back the, 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 the closure with the, the, the bottle because it would make sense to use existing chain instead of trying to create a new one. And so I, I point out that sometimes there are some marketing initiatives that could be very, very uh, attractive, but sometimes they are very expensive and they are not going to what the a better or lower impact uh, in, in, on the environment. So this is also something that we will discover progressively in the future that the question is, it's not just as simple as we believe. There are a lot of interactions between a lot of parameters. And this is why it is very key to make sure that uh, the companies are integrating all these parameters. Another point, for example, we, we've spoken a lot of about carbon footprint and it's clear that carbon footprint gives you a figure which is e easy to understand. Is it positive, is it negative, et cetera, et cetera. But as the experts say, it's only representing one third of the actual environmental impact of, of the humankind activity. We also have to think about pollution, noise pollution, uh, water pollution. We also have to think about what are the influence of the activity inside the global environment. So there are a lot of other parameters to take into consideration that also need to that we also need to cover and this is something that i really point out to make sure that uh, we don't reduce we are not too reductive in the way we are interpreting the the carbon footprint thank you yes that's a very good point well i think we should bring this to a close but i would urge listeners to go and have a look at the dm website particularly the origin page uh, and also you have some great videos showing the cork harvest and these are such beautiful trees i've actually been to that forest you mentioned the one by saint tropez uh, it really is stunning they're, they're amazing trees and congratulations on the work you're doing dominique thank you for your support of the conference much appreciated uh, and listeners if you'd like to hear more podcasts uh, do check back to our podcast channel and you'll find a podcast of the packaging session that dominique took part in uh, it's about an hour long uh, but it's there as an audio file as well as video on sustainablewine.co.uk and on our Sustainable Wine podcast channel. So hopefully you can dive into that and learn more about DM uh, and the work being done in sustainable packaging. But for now, uh, Dominique, thank you very much for your time.